0: om sahana vaho Sahana bhunakto sahaviryam karavahai tejasvina vadhitam astuma vidvishavahai om shantih shanti, shanti. page 10 Chant from the verse 12 <speaking in> the <language> arjuna uvacha param brahma param dham <speaking in the language> param brahma param, dhamma, param, brahma param dhamma, pavitram param bhavan pavitram param bhavan purusham shashwadam divyam purusham shashwadam divyam Ādī देवमजम् विभुं Ādī देवमजम् विभुं आहुस्वा ॠषयः सर्वे आहुस्वा ॠषयः सर्वे देवर्षि नारदस्तथा देवर्षि नारदस्तथा असितो देवो व्यासः असितो देवो व्यासः Vayaṁ caivaṁ sarvaṁ e tadrutaṁ Vadasikeshava, sarvaṁ e tadrutaṁ manyay, yan māṁ bhagavan vyaktiṁ, nahite bhagavan vyaktiṁ, vidur devāna dāna vidur devāna dāna स्वयं वात्मना आत्मानम् स्वयं वात्मना deva पुरुषोत्तमं पुरुषोत्तमं भूतभावन भूतेशः भूतभावन भूतेशः देवदेव जगत्पते Arjuna here is singing in the praise of Lord Krishna, Param brahma, param dhama, pavitram paramam bhavan. Lord, you are indeed param brahma, you are indeed the ultimate light of all the lights. You are the Brahman that is limitless. Pavitram paramam, you are the greatest purifier. This I know, this is what I have come to understand from the words of the sages. Ahustram rishas, sarve. All the rishis, all the sages, this is how they speak of you. Devarshi, Narada, Statha, among them, Devarshi, Narada, Asitaha, Devala, Vyasa, these and all of the sages also speak about you in this way. In what way? Purusham, Shashvatam Devyam, that you are Purusha, you are perfect, you are complete. You are the one who dwells in the, in the hearts of all the beings. Sāśvatam, you are eternal, imperishable. Divyam, you are divine. That means the one that lives in the the heavens, in the heart. (coughs) So one who lives in the the pure heart of all the beings. Or one who is beyond the sight or perception of all the beings. That is one who transcends this worldly uh, names and forms. Adi Devam, you are the very Adi, the cause and the very self-effulgent Lord with whom the one who is all-pervasive. This is how the sages speak of you. Sarame Manye and Lord, you also say the same thing. This is how you have been saying about your own self. Sarame Manye, yan maam vadasikeshava, keshava, All that you say, about you, and all the sages which I've been saying about you, all of that, I take it to be true. Because, Nahi Bhagavan Hey Bhagavan, O oh Lord, your victory, your personality, your glories, no one knows other than you. Because for one, someone to know the glories of the Lord, that person must be omniscient. And you're the only one who is omniscient. Therefore you know. Swami Vetthatvam hey Purushottama. He Purushottama. Oh, most exalted Purusha. That is this. Akshara Purusha, the perishable. Akshara Purusha, the imperishable, the cause. Uttma Purusha, one that is beyond this cause and effect, that Purusha. You are the limitless. And the others, you are of the nature of knowledge. Svayaneva Atmana Atmanam Vettha. You know yourself by yourself. Which means that you did not have to gain the knowledge from anyone. You are omniscient by nature. You are the very embodiment of knowledge and therefore by nature you are omniscient. And therefore you know everything. You know yourself as well as you know everything else. Of course everything is itself. He knows everything as himself, but he knows everything in every detail. He knows the past, present and future. Vedaham samatidani, vartamanani chajunay, in the seventh chapter, Lord Krishna said, Vedāham samatidani." Here Arjuna, I know everything that has gone by in the past. Vartamanāni and whatever obtains in the present. Bhavishāni bhutani and whatever will come into being, all of that I know. Bahūnīme vyatītāni, janvāni tavachārjana, tānyam vedasarvāni. In the fourth chapter also to say, here Arjuna, you and I, both of us have gone through many births. The difference between you and I is that I know them all and you do not know them. This Lord Krishna has declared himself to be omniscient, all-knowing in several places in Bhagavad Gita. So here also, so you are the embodiment of knowledge, you're omniscient, you know yourself. Everyone else knows because of you. Every form of knowledge ultimately comes from God because God is the the nature of knowledge. And every knowledge that we get is a revelation of our mind actually. And therefore nobody can claim really authorship of the knowledge. God is of the nature of knowledge and He reveals Himself in the heart of people. That's how we come to know of things. But But you, being the very nature of knowledge, you know yourself by yourself. Bhuta Bhutesha Deva Deva And again singing the praises, the glories of the Lord. Lord you are Bhuta You are the one who has brought into being all these creatures. Bhuta You are the very father of all the creatures. Bhutesha. You are the very controller, the ordainer of all the beings. Deva Deva. You are the one that is worshipped by even all the gods. So you are the most worshipful one. You are the most revered one. Most adorable one, Jagat Pate, you are the, very pati, the, the, the Palaka, the protector of the entire creation. You are the protector, you are the nourisher. And the best way that you protect is by revealing the knowledge through the Vedas, through the scriptures. <coughs> and thus, Arjuna is praising Lord Krishna. And he continues, This this being the case, therefore, <coughs> In the sixteenth verse, Arjuna says, Vaktu marhasya shena, Vaktu marhasya Divya shyatma vibhuta ya ha, Lokan, shyatma vibhuta ya bher bher Ya bher bher Imam stvam vyapya tishthase. Lord Krishna said himself, the one who knows my vibhutis, my glories, he gets established in me. Lord Krishna said, Mama Yoga Here, one who knows my glories. And one who knows my nature, that one gets established in me in an unswerving way. That means knowledge of Vibhuti is, knowledge of glory of the Lord is required in order to know Him, in order to get established in His knowledge. Therefore now Arjuna is making here a request of the Lord. Vaktum arhasi ashesena. Vaktum arhasi. Be pleased to speak. Ashesena. Without leaving anything. Divya hi atma hai, O Lord, please speak of me. Or please narrate to me, Atma hai your own glories. Divya Atma hai your divine glories. I know Lord that you are indeed everything. But then I want to know your divine unusual glories. Divine glories. Your glories which stand out. Ya <coughs> Those divine glories, extraordinary glories, please describe in full. the glories by which you remain pervading the three worlds. Lokan, Vyapya, Tishthasi. Vyapya, pervading all the worlds, you remain. So you are the nothing but the three worlds. The whole three worlds, the universe is nothing but your manifestation and therefore you remain pervading the whole universe. And that's the glory. Basically, the glory of the Lord is that He is manifested the whole universe. And had that not happened, people ask questions, Swami, why should this creation be there? Suppose creation was not there, you would never have known it. Thank God that the creation is there, and thank Him that He is manifested the universe. So if not today, at least tomorrow, all this desire will arise, what is, what is the nature of this world? Who has created this? Usually when I look at the world either I want to enjoy it or I want to turn away from it. That may happen. But when my mind becomes satraic, then this desire may arise, who is the creator of this world? What is the truth about the world? And that's how the world becomes a very pointer to the creator of the world. <coughs> so that vibhuti is vibhidhena bhavanam, one becoming many, or one appearing as many, that is called vibhuti, that's called the glory it is our glory that you have manifested the whole universe and thus you remain pervading the entire universe by your glories of them whatever are your divine glories the extraordinary glories please narrate to them in all the detail without leaving anything <coughs> why do you want to know what's the reason why do you want to know my glories? Arjuna I going explain that in the next verse says here yeah? Katham विद्या yogin योगिन् कथम विद्या योगिन् सदा परिचिन्तयन् सदा परिचिन्तयन् Keshu Kasam vidyam yogin, how can I know you? The purpose that Arjuna is asking all this is, Kasam vidyam yogin, Lord, how do I, how should I know you? So I want to know you. And I know that the only way I can know you is by constantly contemplating upon you, by constantly meditating upon you, by constantly worshipping you. So here this worship is presented as a means of knowledge. This was said earlier also that by worship we make the object of worship favorable to us. Swami, why should we worship God? To obtain His grace. What do you mean by grace? Grace means favorableness. Now we can obtain the grace of the Lord in whichever way we want. We can worship the Lord and seek His grace so that our desires can be fulfilled, we can acquire some of the worldly objects and things and beings that we want, that we also we can seek the grace of the Lord. Nothing wrong in it. But better than that, we worship the law so that we can we get law Lord Himself. So why should we worry about things from Him? Why not we ask Him? So there also. But how can I know Him? So here, knowing God is possible when or knowing anything is possible when that thing becomes favorable to me, is it not so? I can know something when there is a, an, a harmony, a tuning up between I and what I want to know. If I want to know some atomic, some particle, small particle, through a microscope I will look at it and the purpose of the microscope and it's it so that there is a harmony, a tuning up between myself and that object I want to know. If the object is very far away, I use a telescope to establish a tuning-up between myself and that object. That is how that object becomes favorable to me, so that I know. I should do something to make that object favorable to me. If the object is very far away, then I have an extension of my eyes in the form of a telescope, so that the object becomes favorable, so I know him. The object is very minute. Then I use ext- another extension of my eyes, and the telescope, so that it becomes favorable for me to know. Similarly, also for me to know the Lord, He should become favorable to me. Kathopani also says, "Kapavaha Prasidati, When one worships the Lord, He becomes favorable, favorably disposed to reveal Himself. In the ten- here itself, Lord Krishna said out of compassion for them. I illumine the light of lamp, I mean lamp of knowledge in their heart and dispel the darkness of ignorance. So when my devotees are totally, I see that they are totally devoted to me, that there is nothing in, in their life other than me, their whole life at the level of the action, the speech, mind, thought, everything is only centered upon me, when I find that, then I give them the knowledge. I give them my vision. I I appear before in their heart as their own self. You can imagine different steps such as the teacher. Through teacher he may do that. It's not that, you know, all right, depending on what kind of knowledge I want, he may appear before me as a teacher. And through that he may give the knowledge, but it is he who gives the knowledge. When will he give the knowledge? When he becomes favorably disposed to me. How does He favorably become disposed to me when I worship Him, when I please Him, when I think of Him, when I remember Him, when I all the time think of Him? How do I sokṣam vidyā maham yogin? Oh Lord, how should I know You? sada All the time remaining engaged in Your thinking. Parichintayan. Chintanam means thinking. Parichintan, thinking all the ways. Sada Parichindan, all the time thinking. All the time, ever engage in your thinking, ever engage in contemplation upon you, meditation upon you, worship of you. So Lord, I want to know you. And I know that the means of your knowledge is that all the time my mind must be engaged in thinking about you. But I cannot think of you who is beyond the name and form and infinite and limitless. That's all for the Uttama Adhikari. That is for the exalted students. I'm not yet at that level. I'm to call the Manda Manda means the Adhikari who is still dull. Madhyama, Manda, middling or a dull adhikari. I'm a dull student and therefore I still cannot comprehend your abstract form. I can only comprehend you through the manifest forms. Therefore, Keshu, Keshu, Jibhaveshu, Chintyosi. How can I think of the Lord? When I think of His glories. I mean, I know that everything is God, no doubt about that. But at the moment, I do not see God in everything. That's my problem, not God's problem. But I don't see Him everywhere. When somebody comes to me, uh, insulting me, hurting me, I don't, it's not possible to see me. You see God in there, family. He's my competitor, you know, what can I do with him? How can I, why can I bless him? You say that you, you you bless your enemies, how can I do that? He's my competitor. He's going to take over my business. How do you expect me to uh, to, to, uh, to pray for him? At least pray for your friend, that means I can do. start that way. In short, to begin with, it is not possible for a person, although it is true that he is a maker and he is a material, and therefore, his material cause, he pervades everything and whatever it is is nothing but his manifestation. But still, my mind being what it is, still, I do not get inspired when I see these poles and pillars. That doesn't give me the idea of God. When I look at the wall, does it remind me of God? Doesn't? I look at the ceiling, does it remind me of God? Doesn't? If it does, then I don't need any particular form. But at this time I need a form which can remind me of God which can invoke in me that devotion. It's there, but right now uh, some churning is required to invoke that devotion. And therefore, very specific forms are required. Keshukeshri oh bhavaisu maya Lord, in one of those bhava, one of those objects, one are those manifestations of yours in which I should think about you. And that also has to be revealed by Him, because when I look at things that doesn't occur to me, then somebody has to show me. Even looking at watching the dance, you know, I mean I just watch all that. Somebody has to show me Swami, look at that. Look at his steps and look at his gestures and see what this gesture means. See the symbolism involved and look at the face and look at the bhavas. and when somebody shows me, then I can appreciate. So dance, appreci- people have the appreciation courses, you know, art appreciation course, because I look at the painting, I stand there, it doesn't do anything to me, somebody should tell me how to enjoy the painting, how to enjoy the art, how to enjoy the music, because I'm an init- I'm, I'm, I am need to be initiated in that. When I take my so myself, then I don't need that help. But until then, surely also, when I am able to appreciate God everywhere, no problem. Right now, Swami is difficult. The world is so cruel. Now, where is God? This is such, there is disorder. Where is God? There is injustice. Where is God? There is all this diversity. Where is God? I don't see God. And therefore, I need those special things. So when I look at the Himalayas, oh yes. That definitely, that majesty and that, there's something there, Swamiji. When I go to the Himalayas, something I feel. When I take a dip in the Ganges, it is something out of this world. So therefore I need those things at this time, to stimulate that devotion in me, which is there, but needs to be stimulated. And therefore, it is nice to say that God is everything and everywhere, but it is not a practical thing to begin with. Practically, I do require something that can invoke the devotion in me. And therefore, Arjuna wants to know from the Lord, Please describe to me, please show me your glories. Please teach me how to to look at, how to see you. And that I can see you or I can think of you, only when there is divine, something extraordinary. So, everything that is ordinary is God, no doubt. But then I can appreciate God when there is an extraordinary expression. So, divya, atma, vihuta, your divine or extraordinary glories, please describe to me, so that I can all the constantly ever engage myself in thinking of you. And that way, my mind becomes pure. Thinking of God, because He is Pavitram, Paramam, He is a great sanctifier, so we take deep in the Ganges and we get sanctified and say all those things get removed. They don't seem to get removed but that's what is being said. Depends on how much, how much how much devotion and how much reverence we have. But whenever I think of anything that is pure, I get pure. So just as an impure stream of water then it comes in contact with the Ganges which is a vast stream, how that little impure thing also becomes Ganges. Similarly also the stream of my mind, when it comes in contact with the river, that's God, then my mind also gets purified. So this is an excellent way of purifying the mind, is thinking about Lord. That's the reason why the sages and saints all the time prescribe, repeat God's name, repeat His name, do His darshanam, think of Him, listen to His glories. In short, Keep your mind engaged in him in one way or the other. Sada parichindya, not five, ten minutes or fifteen minutes a day. Sada parichindya all the time, because every time I think of the worldly objects, they get I, my mind again gets impure, because thinking of the worldly objects is always going to be rather precious. When I think of something in the world, either I like it, or I don't like it. Whatever, what the world does at this time is to only invoke the likes and dislikes in me. And never that thinking only creates a pollution in my mind. Therefore thinking of God, which is free from all the likes and dislikes, there's one object where likes and dislikes cannot have a place because he's equal, he's same everywhere, he's always kind, he's always compassionate, he's always glorious, he's always, you know, and therefore thinking of him uh, purifies my mind. Therefore thinking of God, meditating upon him, worshipping him. All of these are the means of mind, purification of mind. More mind comes in contact, remains in contact with that, more purified it becomes. <clears throat> and therefore, it's, and the mind always needs variety. It's difficult for the mind just to keep on thinking of one thing. It wants change, it's alright. That's why Lord Krishna is going to describe number of glories. Now think of this, something else, something else. So many things I have there to think of, those things can remind me of God. I can see some majesty of the Lord, some divinity in there, some glory, some might, some power, some beauty, which reminds me of the Lord. So, Keshu, Keshu, Jabhara what are those things, what are those objects, what are those manifestations in which I meditate upon you, so ultimately through that I know you. So here meditation or worship, mental worship of the Lord, is a means of knowing the Lord, Saguna Brahma. As he says Saguna Brahma is Dhyayam, is to meditate upon worship, Nirguna Brahma is jnayam is to be known as the Self. <coughs> and thus, by worship of God with attributes, as my mind becomes pure, ultimately I become, I gain the fitness to know the Lord the Nirguna as my own Self. So this is the scheme, worship of Saguna Brahma, worship of God with attributes. That becomes the means of knowing the Lord beyond the attributes. And concluding his presentation here, Arjuna says in the eighteenth verse, <tries> Vibhotim ca janadana Bhūyaḥ kafei trukte rahi Bhūyaḥ kafei trukte rahi Shunvatonaastime mṛtam Shunvatonaastime mṛtam This prayer elaboratedly yogam vibhotim ca janadana kafei Oh Lord, please narrate Vistarana in Vistar in great detail. Elaborately please narrate. Atma yogam, describe your yoga. That means your power. And Vihudhi, your glory. So the power of one becoming many is called yoga. Becoming many or appearing as man is called vihudi, the glory. And the power of one appearing as man is called yoga. Please describe to me the yoga and the vihuti Janardana. So Arjuna uses the word name Janardana for Lord Krishna. Shankarajar explains the purpose why this name is being used. Word Janardana comes Jana plus Ardana, that's how the word is made up. Ardana is a word derived root ad. Ad in the sense of gati, in the sense of going, or in the sense of, in the sense of prayer. So, Yachana, so Janardana, Janardana is the one, is a god who takes all the, all the demons into naraka. That means he punishes all the demons and takes them to hell for them to suffer their sins. In short, Janardana is the one who drives away all the demons. So Lord, please drive away from my heart the demons of his attachment and aversion, these likes and dislikes. They are the demons. So they are the robbers. They, they, they rob all the peace of my mind. Never, oh Lord, please help. Drive away these demons of attachment and aversion from my heart. Or Janardana. So Jana also means the devotees. So the one who you always prayed for by the devotees, who fulfills the prayers or wishes of the devotees is called Janardana. Lord, I am your devotee and please fulfill my wish, fulfill my prayer so that I can meditate upon you and I can know you. So all the topic here is the meditation, our mental worship of the Lord. So Janardana, please narrate, please describe in great detail, elaborately, Atmana Yogam, Vibhutincha, elaborately, as we said. Arjuna seems to have forgotten where he is sitting. Please describe in great detail. Please narrate elaborately. As though he is all the time. The thing is, he is all the time in the world. He forgets that he is sitting in the middle of the battlefield. That people are all waiting for him, you know. In fact, this dialogue is going on. Thank God that that time, until Arjuna makes strikes first, the battle will not begin. So everybody is watching them. And Duryodhana also is all them watching. Something is going on between them, that's all right. But Arjuna forgets that he in a situation which is all crisis. And he is in the middle of the battlefield. He forgets that. So look at this, what a conversion has taken place in Arjuna. When he came in the battlefield, he said, Lord, take my chariot between the two armies. I want to see, I want to serve both the armies to see who the people are the fighters. I'll see, you know, all these fellows who come to help the Riyogana, I want to see them. So this is how, with this kind of uh, determination he had come. And slowly and slowly, from the fighter Arjuna, he became the Jignasa Arjuna. He He became the, of course, sad Arjuna, grieving Arjuna. He became the seeker Arjuna. Now become a devotee, Arjuna. He says, please describe, narrate in great detail, all the... But Lord says, I've been telling you, what do you think I've been telling you? I've been describing only my glories. In the seventh chapter I did that, ninth chapter, eighth, every day I'm describing that. Bhoya, please do it again, please describe again. So this shows law, isn't it? Why, why, how would you want to know? I mean, after all, if people start talking about them, who wants to listen to them? Here, you know, Lord Krishna is only really talking about himself. Usually you dismiss such people. Say, so look at Atma He just he keeps on boasting about himself. But here, Arjuna seems to be enjoying it. That's what Lord Krishna said. Tattayam Priyamaya. Arjuna, I find that you are taking delight in all my discourses. Arjuna also confirms that. That, Lord, tell me again. That shows love. When we love somebody, then we want to listen more and more and more. In that everything you always, you never, you never get bored. And because even if you listen to it, the same thing again, still there is something new in there, it's ever fresh. And water dog of glory of the Lord, they're ever fresh. So, Bhūya This is the kind of disciple that you need, you know. An ideal disciple for a guru, as I said, who will not get inspired by a disciple like this? As we said, gurus also need some nourishment, you know. The gurus also need some encouragement. Sometimes they can get discouraged. Depending on how the disciples are, you know, looking up in the ceiling and losing dozing off, going there, doing something, you know. What it is, I don't know. And then the people are... So, on the other hand, here is the one eagerly asking, please tell me, please tell me more and more. But you know, will you not get bored? says, no. Says, Tuttayi Shrunvato Nastime Oh Lord, because when I am listening to this nectar of the words, I have no satisfaction at all. I don't, be, I don't seem to get satiated at all in spite of listening to this. So your words are like the nectar and I am drinking that nectar and I seem to gain no satisfaction at all. In fact, more I hear, more I either want to hear more and more about it. So that is how Arjuna uh, presents himself here as the most ideal disciple. So, somebody says that, you know, but I don't seem to get satisfied. No, you may not get satisfied for various reasons. Suppose I am listening, I am supposed drinking something. I say I'm not satisfied because there is nothing to be satisfied in that. You know, sometimes I say, I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. You can say. Because there's no rasa in that. There. There's nothing to enjoy in that. That's why also you say I am not satisfied. Or what I am listening to or what I'm given is something great, but I don't have the appreciation of it also. Sometimes wonderful things are going on, a beautiful dance will be going on. I'm not satisfied because I have no sense to appreciate that then also you are not satisfied. Arjuna is not like that. He says, Amritam, I understand. I know the rasa, the very joy that is there in your verse, and I am also the one who recognizes that joy. And even if there is neck ambrosia, I suppose, even ambrosia also if you keep you on drinking and eat, drinking, you will get satisfied someday. After all, somebody has a limited space and even if you are eating or drinking ambrosia, then also you feel all oh, right enough. You are benching belching. Satisfaction. But here Arjuna is drinking. Drinking through what? The drinking through the ears. Ears are, said to me, made of the, the element space, you know. Ears are the tanmatra So ears are created from the sattva of the element space. And therefore, my stomach is like space because I'm drinking through the stomach of the ears. And therefore, this nectar that I'm drinking, it never, it never fills me. And therefore, I'm never satisfied. Therefore, Lord, please tell me more and more and again and again. <coughs> That's how Arjuna presented here his case, a request, to listen from the Lord, his glorious. Now what's the response of the teacher? He says, all right, I don't have time right now. Come on, you start fighting battle first, then I'll see what we made later. On. Does he say that? Depends on what his estimate of a disciple is. It's not that every time somebody asks that you necessarily oblige them. There's no rule. There's no rule that just because somebody asks a question that necessarily answer is given. Well what how do we see Lord Krishna here? No Sudar Arjuna makes a request, he's eager, more than eager. Immediately, Lord Krishna eagerly responds to Arjuna. He says in the 19th verse, Sri Bhagavan Vacha, Shri Bhagavan Vacha, Hantate Kasayashyami Hantate Kathayashyami, Divyashyatma Vibhutaya, Divyashyatma Vibhutaya, Pradhanya tahkur sreshtha, prahanya tahkur sreshtha, naskyanto wisparasyame, Sri Bhagavan Watcha Hunter. Certainly now. Kasavishami. Here Juna, right now I will describe to you. I'll narrate to you now not later. Otherwise, Lord Krishna says, Arjuna, don't you understand? This is not the time. This is not the time for these detailed descriptions. i only told you what my glories are. No. now That's how Shankara explains. Hanta also has a particular, several meanings. But the meaning is, Now I will describe to you. Here, Arjuna, I will describe to you all my divine glories, divine manifestations. By divine we mean unusual, extraordinary. <clears throat> but I cannot fulfill your request in totality. Because Arjuna says, Vaktumarasi ashe Please describe, please narrate to me your glories without leaving anything, you know. That is not possible. I'll describe my glories alright. It is not possible for me to describe all the glories. Here you know, I'll describe those who are preeminent glories. So I'll stand, I have glories which are only the, the important ones. That's all I'll tell you. The preeminent. In every class, there is a preeminent object. That's what I'll describe to you. And therefore, what I'll describe is eminent glories. Why? Why Lord only describe I mean and glories? Why not all the glories? Nastyanto vistrasyame But hey Arjuna, there is no end to my vistara. There is no end to my manifestations. There is no end to my glories. Here says here, that If I want to describe all my glories, even in hundred years also I cannot describe them. Why hundred years? No way you can describe them. There is a very beautiful verse in Sanskrit it says Asidha Girisamamsyat Kajalam Sindhu Patramurvi Describing Goddess Saraswati. Saraswati is the goddess of knowledge. Suppose this goddess of knowledge who knows everything. She wants to describe the glories of the Lord, let us say. Now for describing, writing the glories of the Lord, she needs the material, she needs the paper. And she needs the pen, and she needs the ink. Suppose we give all these re- requirements to Goddess Saraswati. Acid agerisamshaat kajalam, kajalam, kajalam means the the, uh, the ink, the ink, ink powder. Suppose ink powder were of the side of the mount Meru. Like that much ink is ink is given, powder is given to her. And the ink pot is as big as the ocean. The ink pot as big as the ocean. And it ain't steep in that like mountain. Surat lekhini And she has a lekhini, she has a pen, which is from the from which is a branch of a divine tree, that big pen she is given. Patra And the earth becomes a very page, verse earth becomes a very paper on which she is writing. So she has all the material with which she can write, describe. Now she starts describing the glories of the Lord. She starts writing. Likadi Suppose sharada Goddess Saraswati herself, starts writing the glories of the Lord with all these material. Sarvakalam, all the time she keeps on writing. Ishaparam Nayadi. Even then, O Lord, there is no end to your virtues. There is no end to your glories, even if Goddess Saraswati, describes it all the time. So Lord Krishna says, I'm sorry, I cannot describe all my glories, but I'll describe all which are preeminent ones that I will describe. <coughs> and now from the verse 20th verse, Lord Krishna starts describing His vibhuti, His glories. So this is called Vibhuti Yoga. The title of the chapter is Vibhuti or the Glories. <coughs> But even before describing all these worldly glories, he describes his, his most important, the ultimate glory to begin with. If you do that, after all, we want to meditate upon God. And this generally style is that whenever addressing the students, you address the most eminent student first. And then go down slowly to less eminent in less eminent. So that the most eminent student are satisfied and can go away, you know. He doesn't have to wait until last. You don't start with all the details. So in the beginning, you tell the most important thing. And that is enough for the student, question goes away. If you still there, then all right, continue. you're still there, continue. Slowly come down on your level and come down and come down and come down and come down. This is style. Not you to start from the basics and go all the way up there because then that fellow will be waiting and waiting and waiting you will sleep there. But on the other hand, this is the style. So therefore, first Lord Krishna describes his most eminent glory in the 20th verse. It says here, Ahamatma Atma Gudakesha Aham atma Gudakesha भूता shayasthita है सर्वभूता सयस्थिित हैहमाष्यमध्यचय हमष्य भूताना मंत एवचय भताना एच हमत्मा गुड़ा Hey Gura Keisha, Addressing Arjuna. So Gurakayaha e Gura isha. Gurakesha. Guraka means sleep. Nidra. Gurataya isha. Ha, e who has is mastered the sleep is called Gurakesha. Arjuna is the one who has mastered the sleep. That shows the alertness or vigilance. And that's the kind of student you need when you're describing and one who is fit to meditate. Gurakesha. Because Arjuna is known to be that kind of a disciple. When Pandavas and Kauravas were learning archery and other weapons, the art of weapons, the science of weapons from from sage Dronacharya, then sage Dronacharya would give them various lessons during the day. And you know what Arjuna would do? He would keep awake at night and keep on practicing those things. So by the next day he already mastered it. And at night he would keep on practicing his archery, and that's how he learned how to throw the, how to shoot the target just by the sound. So that's how Arjuna became the most, uh, you know, most accomplished archer, because he also did not waste his time at night. Therefore, he gained the title Gudakesha, one who has mastered the sleep. Or oh, Gudakesha! Gura Kesha means hair also, one who has very thick hair, very beautiful hair also is called Gura Kesha. Or Gura sometimes the word Gura is actually sense organs. So one who has a mastery of the sense organs. Or here Gura Kesha means one who has mastery of the sleep, that's the better one, you know. Hey Gura Kesha, Here Arjuna, Aham Gura Kesha, Sarabhuta Sarasthika Hey Arjuna, I am the very Atma, I am the very Self. Hey, you want to meditate upon me? Why go out and... I am the one that abides in the heart of all the beings, as a very Self. Hey Arjuna, what is my most important glory? That I abide in your own heart. If Lord abides as a Self in the hearts of all the beings, then naturally He abides as the Self of Arjuna also. So Arjuna, for meditating upon me, for worshipping me, why go some place? Meditate upon me, who is the self in your own heart. So, that's the first meditation. And if you do that, you need not do anything else. Even person cannot do that, then of course other meditations are given. The first is, the Lord is a very self. has a very consciousness, has the very, he has the very asthi, bhati, priyam. So Ahamasmi, Sadhabhami, Karatit Nahma Think about you Arjuna. Think about the very essence that you are. You are, you take yourself to Arjuna, but what is it about you that is what is abiding in reality about you? But Arjuna also about you and I also, there are two aspects about I. Something about me is constantly changing, but there is something about me that does not change at all. This what we call the abiding aspect of me. So what is about me that always is abiding that does not change? That I am a karta, bhokta, sukhi, dukhi, doer, enjoyer, happy and happy. All of that is subject to changing. What about me that does not change? The I am, I am, I am asti, aham asmi. How do you know that you are? Sadabhani. Because I am always shining. That I am, that existence is self-revealing and I never dislike myself, I always love myself. I love the self because love is the source of all the happiness and that's why it is obtained the object of love, unconditional love. I love the objects and people of the world all but conditionally. I love things as long as they satisfy my condition. I love people as long as they are agreeable to me, favorable to me. But I love myself unconditionally. Therefore, what is the true nature of myself? Asti, Bhati, Priyam. I chit ananda That's how the Lord sat ananda resides, the science in my own heart, as my own self. Hey Arjuna, that is my most eminent glory. <coughs> if you cannot, however, but that's not easy, because the self is subtle, very subtle. The Asti, Bhati, Priyam or Satchit has no form, has no attribute, has no color, no form, has nothing that I can catch with. And therefore it is very difficult to hold my mind to that, Swamiji. Alright, if you cannot think of the Lord in that way, here is something more. Aham adisya madhyam bhutanam eva Alright, think of me in this way. Aham I am the beginning of the course of Madhyam chay, I am the middle of everything. Anteva cha, I am the end of everything. That means, I am the creator, I am the sustainer, I am the dissolver. I am the one from which everything originates, I am the one by which everything is sustained, I am the one into which everything ultimately dissolves. So alright, like, that's how you can think of me. So whenever anything you think of, think of what is it that comes from. What is it that sustains it? What is it that it goes back into? The material cause. So what's the ultimate material cause? Asti, bhati, priyam. That's the ultimate material cause. And so anyway, Lord Krishna says, you can meditate upon me or think of me in this way that I am the Adi, I am the beginning of everything, the cause of everything, sustaining everything, and to me everything resolves. <coughs> If that also cannot be done, there is also rather... Abs- of course thinking of God as a self is the most abstract. But thinking of his cause also is not easy. I have to direct my mind from the effect to the cause, not easy. <clears throat> so now, then even that also cannot be done. Then Lord Krishna describes his manifest glories, which helps me to think of him or meditate upon him. So for verse 21, Lord Krishna says here, Adityana Maham Vishnu, Adityana Maham Vishnu, Jyotisham Ravi Jyotisham Ravi Ram Shuman, Marichur Marutamasmi, Marichur Marutamasmi. Nakshatra Mahamsashi, Nakshatra Mahamshashi. Adityana Maham, maham, maham Vishnu. Here Arjuna, now all of these are quite unknown to us. A lot of the glories by the way that are described by Lord Krishna are most of the things are not known to us, not current with us. But at the time in Arjuna world, all of these things are very current. And therefore what is being described are many of these things may not be really relevant to us as far as meditating upon God is concerned. But all of them are very relevant to Arjuna and the people of that time when all of these things were a matter of common knowledge. Today we don't even know what is Aditya. We don't know. Aditya Maham Vishnu. Here Arjuna, Adityas is a class of gods. There are twelve Adityas. Son also is called Aditya. And he is one of them. Aditya. They are the sons of Aditi. The mother of God is Aditi. And mother of demons is Diti. So Diti and Aditi. The sons of Diti are called Daitya. The sons of Aditi are called Aditya. Diti means what? Diti is a word that is derived from root which means to cut to pieces. So that which cuts to pieces, pieces, everything. There is a dity. And her children are Daityas, all the demons, they cut everything to pieces. Adity who joins everything. And therefore, her sons are Adityas. So those who join everything, that means those who always bring peace. Those are the fellows who bring all this discord and they always bring, you know, they disrupt everything. Disruptive fellows. These fellows are all those who bring harmony and peace. So they go Adityas. So, of Aditi, who is the mother of the gods, there are the sons called Aditya. And there are twelve of twelve Adityas, of whom Vishnu is one of them. This morning you listen to the story of this Mahabalai. So, Mahabalai was a great king, was, was, a, was one of the demons, of course. He was a grandson of Prahlada, And he, by his power he had conquered the whole universe, as we've heard. And therefore the gods had met Gods were actually driven away from heavens and they were on in exile. So it's God's mother Aditi looking at the fate of her children. The, oh my children are no place. They are in exile. They are just being driven from one place. They are being chased from one place to the other. So what should I do? That was she went to Lord Vishnu, Lord Narayana and said, pray to Lord, please do something about my sons. And she performed great penance. That's how the Lord appeared before her and said, what can I do for you? Then she says, please do something about my children that they are, they are being driven away from their abode. So do something so that they can gain their kingdom back. So Lord Vishnu says, okay, mother, I was born as your son. And that's how Lord Narayana, Lord Vishnu himself was born as a son of Aditi. He was the last one, the youngest one. And Aditi also had other children. Of his Indra is one the eldest. And here Lord Vishnu was born as the twelfth son of Aditi, the youngest. He was the dwarf. He was called Vamana. And that's how he went to Bali, Mahabali. And then he asked for the three steps of land. Just three strides. That is why he is called the Lord of Long Strides. San Sanno Vishnu Urukrama. Vishnu, Urukrama. The law with long strides. Because in in one stride he measured the whole world. In the other stride he measured the whole other world. In the third stride. Very cruel, very cruel. In two strides he took everything that Mahabali had and then again he starts uh, scolding him or starts demanding from him that, hey Bali, you have offered me three strides or three, you know, steps of land and in the two I have covered everything. So where, should I, where should I put my third foot? That is third stride. Then Bali presented his head, Oh Lord, you can put it here. And without any compunction, Lord put his third step, that is third step on his head and Bali was driven all the way into Patala. Very cruel. Cool. I mean, Lord can be, first of all, he cheated him. He sought these three steps of land when he was uh, in this in the form that is Vamana or dwarf, and he measured three steps by becoming so virat, becoming the cosmic person, and not only that, but he had no compunction, no no pity at all on Bali That he had given up everything and still the third foot is placed on his head to the extent that Bali was joining in as like I told you earlier. Then Brahma, the creator was watching, the gods were all watching all of this. So Brahma, creator asked of Lord Narayana, what are you doing? How can you be so unkind? Don't you know that Bali is a devotee? In fact, he was a great devotee of Lord. No doubt he had some ahankara, he had some, you know, some uh, arrogance he may have, but he was a devotee of Lord. And he had conquered the three worlds by virtue. So the reason is, the reason why he conquered the three worlds is because He had the great priests who were performing the different yagas all the time. And he had so much amount of merit that he got that power by which he could win the whole world. Lord, he is a devotee. How can you do that? He says, well, whenever I want to favor my devotees, I rob everything away from them. So whenever I want to favor my devotees, I take everything away from them. So I took away in the one stride. Everything that belonged to Bali Raja in this world. Whatever he had done in this world, I took away. Whatever he had by his mind in the other world, I took away. And I took away the hangars house. Everything I took away. Left nothing for him. And then you know what happened? The story concludes like this. Ultimately, Lord said that now I'm going to be his servant. Lord became his servant. So now for four months and a year, Lord goes into Patala and he... He protects, you know. He acts as, he works there as a guard. He guards the city of this Baliraja. He works as his doorkeeper. Who? Lord himself. He became the servant. He says, that I take away all these limited things from my devotees and I give them the infinite. So there is Vamana. That is a Lord Vishnu. Vishnu is called Vajasthita Vishnu. One who pervades everything is called Vishnu. Or Vishadita Vishnu. One who enters everything also is called Vishnu. That is the reason why the Lord has entered into the heart of all as Her Self. So very often the Self also is called Vamana. And so, Adityana Maham Vishnahum, Herjana, Among all the Adityas, Among all the sons of Aditi, I am Vishnaya. Jyotisham, Ravi Amshuman, Among all the Jyotis, Among all the luminaries, I am Ravi. <coughs> Ravi means the son. Amshuman, the sun also is said to have 12 different forms. The sun has, is said to have 12, 12 different forms corresponding to 12 months. In every month the sun changes its form, in there there are 12 forms in which the sun, as Sun appears before us. Of them, one of them is Amshuman, the last one. So among the, uh, see, Jyotisham, among the luminaries, I am the sun, that is Amshuman. Or, among the luminaries, there are many luminaries are there, of them, I am the very sun, who is a self-effulgent one. Because moon is a luminary all right, but it's not self-effulgent. The stars are also luminaries, but they can illuminate so little. Sun is the one that illumines the whole world, so I am the sun that illumines the entire world. See, that is the vibhuti, the glory of the world, which we can appreciate. So you can meditate upon Lord as a son, as the one that illumines the whole world. That's the glory of the Lord. Marutam, among the Marut, Marut also is a class of gods. There are several 49 of them. Marut means wind also. There are 49 wind gods. But so different kinds of winds are there, you know. 49 kinds of winds are identified. So there are seven kinds of wind, each having seven kinds in there āvaha, pravaha, vivaha, parāvaha, udvaha, samvaha, parivaha. All this. The way where the wind blows this way and that way and up and down and different ways, you know, wind blows. Each one is given a name. In each, there are seven those classes. In each class there are seven. And those were 49 kinds of winds. only out there there are 49 kinds of winds within also. Therefore Ayurveda knows all these vāyū, you know. So when they, when they, um, this, uh, what do you call the pulse? So when Ayurvedic physician also examines my pulse, then he knows how the wind are flowing inside and probably knows what kind of a, what's happening in the body. But anyway, as it is, Marut is a class of gods, wind gods, and of them Lord Krishna says, I am the Marichi. We don't know. That is, as I said, these are not, we are not familiar with these wind gods. But among the wind gods, I am Marichi. Marichi means also light. Marichi also means brightness or the, the, the luminosity. Actually, all these are 49 Maruts. All these names you can find in the Puranas. All these names you can find. But when you go to these Maruts, the 49 of them, you don't find a single one called Marichi, by the way. That's interesting. Even though Lord Krishna says, I am Marichi among the wind gods, so when you look up the names of all these wind gods, we don't find anyone called Marichi. So let us say that Marichi means that very power, that very, the very brilliance the very power, the very energy that there is, which is there in all the winds. So that's what I am. Nakshatra Mahamsashi. Nakshatra. Those illuminated nights are called Nakshatra. And so the stars, the constellations, among them, I am Shashi, I am the moon. Even the moon is not a star, really. So, but still, among the stars, I am the moon. That is, at night, those nakshatra is those who illumine at night. If that's how we explain about nakshatra, then the stars are those who illumine at night. The moon also is the one that illumines at night. And therefore, Lord Krishna says, moon is my glory, my manifestation. So during the day, as sun, I live in the world. During the night, as moon, I live in the world. So I am the very luminary. I am the one because of whom the sun and the moon shine. Or I manifest in the universe as the sun and the moon. <coughs> then in the next verse. Vedanam <laughs> samavidosmi Vedana, some of those me. Devana must me was over her. Devana must me was over her. chetana. Bhutana must me chetana. Vedana, some of among the Vedas I am Samaveda. As you know, there are four Vedas: Rug Veda, Yajur Veda, Samaveda, Atharvaveda. Although all the Vedas are revelations of God. And if a Veda say, is said to be nothing but the manifestation of Lord in the form of words, it's called Van Maya Avatara. The incarnation of Lord in the, is as words. As a very you know, as a very words of the very knowledge. So Veda means the Veda means knowledge. The word Veda is derived from the root Ved means to know, so Veda means the body of knowledge. And it is sage Vyasa who actually compiled them and divided into four Ruk Veda, Yajurveda, Samaveda, Atharvaveda. Of them, Lord Krishna says that I am the Samaveda. All the Vedas are sacred. Vedas are the very source books. We look upon them as the revelations of God. And therefore, the question when were the Vedas written? No answer. They are never written. They are all revealed. You can say that in a date as to when it was revealed, but not when it was composed. These are not composed. These are not written by anybody. So the sages have not written the Vedas. Although associated with every mantra of the Veda or every hymn of the Vedas, there is a Rishi. And Rishi is not the composer of that, the mantra of him. Rishi are those who see the mantra, which are always there. According to, the, uh, according to the conventional belief, that these Ved mantras are always there. They never perish. Even if the whole world perish in the time of pralaya, the Vedas remain. And therefore in the beginning of the next cycle, the sages by their penance and the yoga are able to tune up to those mantras and that's how they see the mantra of the Veda. This is the belief. And so Vedas are the very source book. And basically, Vedas teaches two things, Dharma and Brahma. So these are the two subject matter of Veda. Apavushya Jnanam. So that which a human intellect cannot conceive, or cannot perceive, or cannot comprehend, that's the subject matter of Veda. But then also Lord Krishna says, Samaveda. Why is it so? Only because Samaveda is in the form of song, that is why. So, it is Veda right? But then the special Samaveda is, Samaveda is... is is in the form of songs, that is, the mantra of the Vedas are sung. Sāma means a song. And so, (coughs) Him. So, Gānei Nāramaniyattvat. Whenever something is told in the form of the music or the song, then it becomes much more charming. And therefore, the very same mantras, when they are recited in a musical way, then they become more charming. That's why Lord Krishna says, I am the Sāma Veda among all the Vedas. Of course, that is what you are learning these days. In the Samaveda is Chandogya Upanishad. In the Chandogya Upanishad, the sixth chapter, which subject matter of Swami is talks, Tattvamasi. That statement, Tattvamasi comes from the sixth chapter of Chandogya, which is part of Samaveda also. Vedanam, Samaveda Asmi, Devanam, Asmi Vasavah, among all the gods, I am Indra. Among all the gods which those who live in the heavens. All the gods, I am their king. The Indra is the king of all the gods. Indriyana, Manaschasmi. Among the sense organs, I am the mind. As you know, we have ten sense organs, so five organs of perception and five organs of action. But these organs of perception and organs of action can perform their task only when they are backed by the mind. If the mind is not behind the sense organ, the sense organ cannot perform its function. Thus, the ears can only hear only when the mind is behind the ears. Otherwise, na nashrausham So this man is sitting on the roadside. And doing his work, he was so engrossed in, in his work. There was this uh, iron smith, and he was working on making an arrow, sharpening the arrow, and he was so engrossed that someone asked me, "Hey, just now the king passed on this passed through this road, which is right in you. And did you hear him? Or did you see him?" He says, "No." Anyat bhoom na my mind was elsewhere. I did not see him. You did not see the king with his elephants and horses and all the rest. You did not see. He said no. But anyway, then all kinds of sounds were there because of blowing bugles and things like that. Did you hear him or not? At least, Anjattharvana, I am sorry. My mind was elsewhere. I did not hear. Meaning thereby, that the organs of perception, such as eyes, ears, all of these can perform their functions only when there is mind behind them. Therefore, Indriyana Manaschaasmi, even though the mind is not looked upon as one of the Indriya or sense organs, but inasmuch as mind is has to be behind every sense organ, Lord Krishna says, I am the very mind. So mind is the glory of the Lord, understand, you know. So we can meditate upon mind as Lord. What is meant by glory means you meditate upon that as God. So you can meditate upon Son as God. Either meditate upon Son as the glory of the Lord or as manifestation of Lord. Lord himself manifests as Son. Lord himself manifests as moon. Lord himself manifests as mind. And what a wonder the mind is, thus one can, rather than worrying about how the mind is, one can meditate upon God as the very mind. And what a wondrous equipment that is! Then can think as Swamiji says. People complain to him, "The yes, Swamiji, my mind thinks. Thoughts keep on coming. But what do we expect in the mind? That's the purpose of the mind. But Swami, mind does not remain steady. It goes from one object to another right away. That's good. Suppose mind got stuck with something. <laughs> so now I am walking on the road. Now I see a donkey coming. You know. And then I see a man coming. And suppose my mind doesn't give up the previous thought and takes up the new thought right away. I get confused. So it's good that mind has this tremendous ability to shift like lightning from one object to the other. That's wonderful. Sankalpa, Vikalpa. But Swamiji, my mind cannot decide anything. That's great. How many things it can think? Now it thinks of one thing. Sankalpa means let me do this. I want to do this. Vikalpa, opposite, I don't want to do that. I think I should go, sankalpa. Vikalpa, I don't think I should go. I think I locked the door, sankalpa. I think I have not locked the door, Vikalpa. So sometimes people, this is a problem, it's a glory that you can switch right away, you know, from one, one thing to the other. So that way when we can see how the mind can travel with the speed of lightning, even lightning also. In one moment I can think of brahmaloka, you know. That is billions and billions of minds away. In a moment I can go there. Eh? So that's the glory that the mind is. And many there are many Upasanas or meditations and Upanishads where the mind is looked upon as Brahman. So may you meditate upon mind as Brahman. So Lord's glory is manifest in the mind. Indiana Manaschasmi Bhutana Asmi chetana. So among the Bhutanam, among the living beings, I am chetana. Chetana means the, the consciousness. So that because of which the body is conscious, sentient, say. So that because of which the body has become sentient. That's called Chetana. So when a person dies, there is no Chetana there. How do you know that there is nobody in Means so gone is because there is no Chetana. So what is that keeps the body alive? That is called Chetana. And you know how the body remains alive? It is said, that the consciousness is first reflected in my mind, in my buddhi, in my intellect. So intellect is that which first becomes conscious by the reflected consciousness. And then the reflected consciousness is passed on to the sense organs. And then it is passed on to the body. That's how it is my buddhi, it is my intellect which is the subtlest and closest to the self or the consciousness, that's the first recipient of the reflection of consciousness, and then that consciousness is passed on from the buddhi to the mind, to the mind to the sense organs, from sense organs to the body. So that's why Lord Krishna says that living beings are living beings because there is Chetana, because of that consciousness. That here it is reflected consciousness. So the reflected consciousness because of which the beings are alive or living beings are alive, that Chetana I am. So one can again meditate on God. I can think of my own body and I think of the Chetana, the, the consciousness, the life force, the consciousness in my own body. That's the glory of the Lord. That's the manifestation of Lord. Thus, here now, this and all other verses, Lord Krishna provides those manifestations which can be used for his meditation, which we can look upon as the glory, or we can see Something extraordinary in that is the manifestation of the Lord. Some extraordinary aspect of the Lord is manifest in, in all these objects. So mind is one of them, Chetana, that consciousness also, is another one. Okay, we'll continue tomorrow. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyad Om Shanti Shanti Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashakrutavande Bhagavanthavpunapunam Ishvara Gururatmele मूर्ति भेद विभागिने Vyoma, Vyapta, Om Hari, Om Shri,